0: Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 133. My name is Zach, I'm one of your hosts, and joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude?
1: Bro. Farewell, bro. <laughs> bro, farewell. That's <laughs> <Adios, laughs> such Chuck. a stupid name. <laughs> It's pretty bad. farewell, bro.
0: (laughs) Farewell is just not a hipster enough word for that to make any real sense. It makes it it sound even more ridiculous.
1: It's like an anachronism. It's someone, (laughs) yeah, it's like someone in the eighteen hundreds who accidentally (laughs) got like time time traveled into a uh, like a frat party or something. Farewell, bro. All
0: right. Well, before we do say farewell, bro, our usual housekeeping. Of course, if you're not already in the Discord, check out. The discord. It is the best place to be to chat with us, chat with the rest of the aficionados and get some advice. I mean, we've got a lot of folks dropping deck lists in there for the the decathlon going on right now. And it seems like everybody's having a ton of fun with that. So if you need some help or advice on that definitely jump into the Discord. There you can find the link to that in our episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, show notes, stickers, our pre-show recordings, as well as our Draft Chaff hero cards that we sign and send out to all our new patrons with every set. So... Check that out at Patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff Pod. Also, we never plug this, but we have a merch store. So if you're interested in getting any Draft Chaff merch, you can do that at shop.DraftChaff.com.
1: Do it; it's sweet stuff. I have the hoodie. All
0: right, to our Cracker Draft type thing. This looks like a well. I guess if we're for, saying farewell, bro, one last bro pack is is what we've got on the table for us here. Yep, last one out.
1: Uh, we're gonna s- just kind of slide through this one. We, we we know what's going on in Brothers War at this point. There's a Mishra's onslaught, which We're going to talk about later. This was the uh, very, this one really didn't see much play. I think I saw this once uh, and they used it to kill me and it was really embarrassing. Nice. (laughs) Coilos Rock, uh, part of the going big uh, blue green deck, but also just like an okay top end for like a blue white flyers deck. It's whatever. Tomical scrapsmith this one gets better the better your artifacts are and the higher density you have but it's it's you know just whatever epic confrontation is probably the card i'm taking so far uh it's just my spell there's also a warlords elite you could do some pretty silly stuff with this um if you could find a way to get it into your graveyard like on turn three or uh, very rarely turn one um then you could recommission it and then you don't have to worry about it since like uh like tapping extra things. So then you just get like a 5-5 five, five for two mana, which is obviously pretty good. Ravenous Gigamole, it's whatever. I, I didn't love the graveyard vector in this set, like there's the self-mill stuff. Uh, yeah. was isn't really what you're supposed to be doing. There's Machine Over Matter, the, the uh, bounce spell that inexplicably costs one less for having an artifact. I mean, a bounce spell for two and a bounce spell for one, th- this isn't really <laughs> like... Uh, they're kind yeah, of like folks are the same thing.
0: Was Unsummon just not, did they even like just try printing Unsummon in this set and they just were like, nah, it needs to be more expensive, but then also sometimes not. Or did yeah, they just need to tack Artifact stuff onto it because it's mm-hmm. Artifacts?
1: This was most successful when paired with uh, either White or Red with some sort of really strong, aggressive start. So I, I think its best home was in like a Blue-White Soldier's deck where you had this big, like beefy board of good attacking creatures built out. And then they drop a card like our next card, which is Depth Charge Colossus. And you're just like, nope. Back to your hand. Uh, Depth Charge Colossus. I never saw someone hard cast this. I've only ever seen it cast for six. And, you know, then it's a strictly worse colossal dread maul. So, you know, this thing doesn't deserve the name Colossus. Yeah, not so much. Our next card, though, is pretty sweet. Our next card is probably the best common and one of the best cards in the set. Uh, Scrapper Cohort. And this thing is just great. Makes two bodies. Colorless. You can always first pick it and feel pretty safe about it. Uh, Honestly, I would just slam it out of all these cards. Um, I'd take it over Epic Confrontation, over the Warlord's Elite over pretty much everything else
0: i'm not gonna lie a lot of my drafts i end up in pack one pick one at least or even anytime around the first couple picks of the pack i kind of don't read what's in the pack i just scan real quick to see if i see the word scrap work anywhere (laughs) 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 just to save myself some time because
1: that's a great call
0: nine times out of ten you're taking a scrap work card if one exists in the pack
1: that's that's very true we have a uh a schematic thing here it's icor wellspring that one's actually pretty good. Uh, that is another card that's worth first picking. This one pairs really well with some of the uh, the, the random sacrifice effects, especially uh, the strong bull, uh, pentagon strong bull. Like, you know, then this thing draws the two cards. That's that's obviously great. But even just ETVing and drawing one card is, is pretty solid. And then using it to sack to something like that, or the junkyard genius, or, other random things.
0: There are definitely worse schematics to pick up.
1: Yeah. So uh, still taking the cohort over that, I think. I mean, if I'm starting with the colorless yeah. card, I'd rather have a like a, an assertive, strong one like that. But I think our uncommons might edge out the cohort. Giant Cinder Maw. Hmm. I love this cohort. Yeah, th- this is this is tight, but
0: I think I prefer the Cindermaw. I mean, it's three mana, four three trample. It, it's sick. It's so good, and especially if you're looking at this as like your functional top end, like probably not actually your top end, but maybe it's one of your more expensive cards in like a really tight red white deck. It just feels great. Like Cindermaw is really tough to deal with it on three mana. Like Your opponent just goes one drop, two drop, three drop, and that three drop is a Cinder Mall. You feel awful. Oh, yeah. And
1: it pairs so well with combat tricks like Whirling Strike. I mean, if they... Oh, yeah. I mean, this actually aligns really well with a lot of the blockers in this format. Uh, Think about how this fares against, like, a Scrapwork cohort, right? You you put your cohort in front of this, and you're like, all right, hope I trade and only take three. They Whirling Strike, you take five, lose your creature, and you still have a 4 through Trample to deal with. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, at that point, and that, that's like a third of your life total. <laughs> you're like yeah. you're basically dead at that point. So uh, our next uncommon, also a good one. I don't know if it's going to beat up the Cinder Mall. It's the Ocean Frontliner. I mean, this one is broken into in standard in like the uh, the Soldier's decks.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's undeniably a decent card, but I'm still just on the Cinder Mall here. I, I don't think I would even necessarily take Frontliner over Cohort.
1: Yeah, I would probably take Cohort as well. Maybe hope to wield the Frontliner. I mean, these things sometimes go a little later. Because not every deck wants this, right? Yeah. Uh, here's a colorless card that I'm not interested in, Steel Exemplar. The whole like cash in this for just mono color stuff, eh, I, I don't think I had. I think I had a deck that was pretty close to mono red or maybe a few decks that were pretty close to mono white. But even then, I wouldn't play this because those decks that benefit the most from being mono colored tend to be very low to the ground aggressive decks. And they don't necessarily want a five mana six, six trample. Like the, they'd prefer to have like another yeah. copy of Scrapwork cohort over this. or They'd even prefer a ocean frontliner or just some random removal spell depending on the texture of the deck, maybe even a cantrip artifact like Icor wellspring over this.
0: Yeah. It feels kind of clunky. Like it, it looks cool at face value and it, Kind of is cool. Like, sure, a, a five mana six six trample is like pretty decent, but needing to set this up by having like a monochromatic deck is pretty costly, and it just it just makes it not really fit into any of the good archetypes. You'd just much rather be doing other stuff in just about every deck that would play this. Mm-hmm. So right now, my pick order is probably like
1: Cinder maw Cohort, eh, probably Frontliner than Epic Confrontation. Now uh, maybe Wellspring above like Confrontation and Frontliner, uh, something like that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm. looking at the same cards. I don't know if my ordering's quite the same, but definitely Cinder Maldon Cohort, and that's relatively close, and then the others are kind of all fighting for third place.
1: Well, they're about to be fighting for an even lower position because our final rare of the set is a nice Misery's Shadow, soon to be permanently uh, etched on my body in some way. Did I mention that I won the open <laughs> with
0: this card? Did you? Did you? Um, oh, did you? Did you forget? I don't think or? you've ever mentioned it once. You know, the, it would be great if all this time I've been cutting out you saying that you won the rerun <laughs> open every episode, and nobody knows you won. That would be that episode something. that where we talked about it.
1: Like it's just like it's yeah, around
0: it's five just, minutes. I never posted that episode. It, it's just <laughs> it's a
1: um like a newspaper really, cutting esque like hodgepodge of, of my vo- voice clips saying like I did not win. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the episode ends. Yeah. But actually, Misery's Shadow is just a fantastic card. I mean, it's a two-drop. You just want as many two-drops as you can get. And it just so happens to be a super powerful one. I mean, just exiling stuff from the battlefield when it dies is huge against things like the Scrapwork series or honestly, anything with Unearth. Uh, Plus, there's just some solid regrowth effects in this format. Uh, This just shuts it all down. Fantastic card and uh, functionally unblockable. It's awesome. Love the shadow.
0: Yeah. Threat of activation is real with the shadow. All right. On to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share high and a low from the past week. So, Ben.
1: Hmm. Let's start with uh Teferi. The decathlon has been pretty fun. I've been enjoying it. I'm uh I'm three for four right now. I got a few more uh, days to get this, this standard trophy that I've been trying to get. Um Apparently there's a new season of Bad Batch out. I just realized that. We, we got to watch that at some point. I'll, I'll probably check it out was, later tonight.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to joke with you in the sign-off. So you watch Bad Batch yet? <laughs> you usually do that to me and it's it was, it's was it been out for less than 24 hours. So <laughs> Oh, yeah. did you watch it already? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, that, that's
1: probably going to be pretty entertaining. Um, and speaking of Star Wars, one of the things my my brother got me for Christmas uh, was one of the collector series Star Wars Lego sets where it's nice. like the, the trench run. And it's, it's super finely detailed and like it's it's got like these uh, it's it, it's it scratches the uh, the nerd itch and the Lego itch, which I, I've always been a diehard Lego fan. So that's been fun. Uh, Tibble wise, it's been a pretty rough week at school. Uh, I, I told Zach before the show, I think this was the earliest I got home and I got home at like five thirty and I usually get to school at around seven. I just I stay for an hour in the morning helping people and then an hour afterwards Then I have to prep for the next day and it all just adds up. Plus, I had a, uh, a post conference with my principal this morning about an uh, an observation with admittedly my my toughest class. So that uh, it kind of set the set the tone for the whole day. It's just been a long week. You know, I'm, I'm excited for it to end. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's what it is, you know and my principal always gives like great constructive feedback but you know sometimes when it's like 8 (laughs) a.m it's like uh, no
0: matter how constructive it is it's not what you want to hear
1: yeah it's like I I get it this is going to help me improve it's great stuff and it's thoughtful but I'm a perfectionist and uh, (laughs) it still is going to flavor the, the, the the mood of the day other teachers out there I'm sure you you know exactly what I'm referring to that that experience of it how about you
0: so my teferi is, well, you know, we're, we're now into the new year. Um, holidays are over. So I'm kind of back into my usual routine. And I always love that. It's one of my kind of favorite parts about holidays or vacations is getting back and like resetting and, and getting ready for normal life again. Um, so kind of having all my systems get in place and yeah, just kind of getting back to that is really great. I'm feeling overall pretty good. I've been having ironically, some sleep issues since we talked Hmm. about it on, on the show, not too long ago. Um, notably it's not so much that I'm having trouble sleeping. I've been waking up a lot. One of my neighbors just had a baby. So part of it is that, um, the other part is that I'm a super light sleeper and my dog's also in my room at night and she like moves around and grumbles a lot in her sleep. So, uh, that doesn't help either. But anyway, I've been waking up a lot. So it's, it's really stopping me from getting up when I want to. Hmm. Um, I'm sleeping in too much, so looking to fix that, but, um, otherwise I'm feeling pretty good. So that's my Teferi. My Tybalt is that I noticed yesterday that I had terrible screen flicker on my monitor and, Hmm. um, I'm not actually noticing it right now. So I'll knock on some wood that it's gone, but I have a, a single 49 inch super ultra wide display
1: yeah, it's not
0: cheap. I'd really yeah. like to not replace it right now. So
1: did you uh, <laughs> um, try soaking it in rice? I don't think I have a
0: container large enough to put
1: this in Did you in it. try unplugging it and plugging it I back did, in? I did do that. <laughs> yeah. If it's it, actually worked up.
0: Yeah, I looked up uh, like potential reasons because it's not like um, any of the pixels are dead or anything. There's just like a weird... It almost looks like the brightness is dimming and resetting in certain locations throughout. It's just like a very weird like kind of flicker. And Hmm. um, I looked it up and and Samsung has a a dedicated like troubleshooting page for this problem. And the first uh, troubleshooting is check the cables going from your computer and into the monitor. Like, okay. then it was check the power supply. If those haven't yeah. worked, call customer support. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Have you considered that maybe, uh, the light in your room has been getting way brighter and then dimmer uh, over and over again? So that's right. so relatively- our listener question of the week.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, our question this week comes from Mina Kang and Mina Kang says, Hey Zach, I'd be interested to hear. Yeah. Forget you, Ben. Hey, Zach, I'd be <laughs> interested to hear what your end of year introspection checklist looks like. Walk us through the questions you ask yourself or your process. So this is in ref- reference to our end of the year episode. One of the things I mentioned that I like to do at the end of the year is sort of a an introspection for the year, kind of look over the year and uh, walk myself through like what happened. Did I meet the goals I had set out for myself, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I can walk through sort of my process real quick. It's it's something that takes me days to do. I like to space it out. You could probably sit down and do it all in one sitting really, but it would take a couple hours if you do it right. Um, but I essentially have, I run that my whole life out of this program called notion. Um, if you're familiar with that, cool. If you're not, that's cool too. It's, it's basically just like a really concise way to collect, um, text files. Google drive would work just as, just as well. Um, but I actually changed my process this year. Usually I'll just look back at old questions that I had set for myself and, and kind of go through, um, what those might be. So it might be things like goals might be things like, um, you know, relationships that I wanted to foster better or like, how could I have been a better son or whatever? Um, this year I did a little bit of a different, approach to it. I first started by looking at all my meaningful moments and milestones for the year. That's basically just coming through my calendar, my journal, um, different to-do lists, some like photos that I took on my phone. Just kind of refreshing my memory of like inflection points of the year, things that um, were meaningful in some way, shape or form. Uh, And I do that for every month of the year. And then I list my wins for the year. These are just things that kind of, maybe there were habits I built, places I traveled, bad habits I broke, um, skills I picked up, stuff that happened at work, hobbies, you know, whatever, anything that I consider to be a win for the year. I just jot those down. Um, then I try to organize those wins by like different life themes. So health, wealth, relationships, experiences, business, et cetera, et cetera. Then I list, uh, mistakes or quote unquote anti-accomplishments that I did. So things that like, I wasn't so happy that I let happen, maybe losses, I guess, if you were to look at it from the antithesis of a win, I suppose. Um, space those out in those same themes, health, wealth, relationships, experiences, business. Then I kind of set myself like a number on a scale from zero to 10 for each of those things, like, like different subcategories of those. So how did I feel my physical health was this year? My spiritual health, my mental health, et cetera. Um, Just to kind of give myself like a gauge of where I'm at. And then I kind of look at like which of those wins and or losses were Uh, Most positive, most negative. This is kind of like an 80-20 thing where I just look at like what was actually the most impactful and what should I just stop caring about or like I didn't didn't actually put effort into and don't need to put effort into going forward. Um, I do that for all those categories. And then the last bit is like a, a list of realizations or lessons. These are like specific questions that I make myself answer to try to figure out where I'm at by the end of the year. So things like who gave you the most joy this year? What weighed on you and caused you the most stress? What was the challenging moment where... After the fact, you experience most personal growth, things like that, um, and then I kind of summarize those and figure out which of those things influence what I should continue doing for the the following year. And then I have a whole different setup for what I do for like annual planning. Um, this is a really long answer to this question, so maybe <laughs> I'll save that for a different a different episode.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize it was it was this in depth though. I mean, it's it's kind of it's like super a- detailed, yeah. It, it's like, well, this, first of all, I'm not at all surprised. This is like, exactly, <laughs> <me>. <laughs> but, uh, I think it's neat that it's both a, um, it's kind of like a, a nice hybrid of, um, not, not, not necessarily like labeling, but, uh, I guess like systematically, uh, like going through and cataloging or sorting experiences and things like that, but also having like a, like a mental health approach to, uh, like seeing how, how they affected you and how they went throughout the year, whether it was like positive, negative, somewhere in between.
0: Yeah, I think that's this, uh, That's like the most important part, right? Because if you're just tracking like wins and losses, you can kind of get bogged down in the numbers and just like f- continue doing something that's actually not benefiting you in any real way, but like you got to see the numbers go up kind of thing. Um, so pausing to like take a second and understand how did this actually affect me and was this actually even worth doing helps me a lot for the, the upcoming year. So yeah, that's neat. Uh, Kang, I'll, say I the, I'll say the the methodology that I used this year like I said, it was a little bit of a difference. Um, came from these two guys, Dickie Bush and Nicholas Cole. You can find them online pretty much anywhere. They actually have a version of this you can download for free if you want to just get access to it. But it was, and I adjusted theirs a little bit, but it's inspired by the, what they put together for their yearly review. Uh,
1: Mina Kang, I know you didn't ask, but in case you were wondering, uh, I guess the closest thing that, that I did to this was uh, somewhere around like uh, midnight on New Year's Eve, I guess New Year's Day, uh, I, I got sprayed by like the, the fallout from a bottle of champagne that that's, you know, in, in that moment, I was like, wow, 2023, <laughs> we a <are. laughs> little, little less in depth, but, uh, it was in that
0: moment. Uh, well, sounds being, more enjoyable
1: Well, being sprayed <laughs> in champagne. I was like, Hmm, new year.
0: <laughs> well, new year, new format, I suppose, because we're saying farewell to brother's war. And you know what that means? That means Chaffee awards. Yep. Time for some chaffies. Uh, we're gonna go through it and, and just give out some chaffies
1: to the usual assortment, maybe with some new ones, maybe some comments and notes here and there, uh, and just kind of talk about the format in, in retrospect. We know we still have a little bit with it, but let's be honest, we're moving on to different things. We've got the Decathlon, people are still playing Vintage Cube. That'd be a sweet episode to do sometime. And uh, all sorts of other stuff. There's gonna be a Dominaria Remastered to talk about maybe if, we, if we're interested. Uh, and pretty soon we'll have Phyrexia,
0: Yeah, I imagine spoilers right around the corner because this feels like the longest time we've been without spoilers in quite a while.
1: Yeah. So let's just start it off. The Chaffee for the most powerful card in
0: Brothers War. What do you got? It's got to be Worm Coil Engine. I don't even know if it counts because it's like one of the schematic cards. So it's like kind of not really part of the set, but it is. Uh, it's worm coil engine.
1: I mean, the schematics ended up being far more influential on the set than I think anyone would have predicted. We didn't even talk about them <laughs> in our in That's our, 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 our breakdown. But had we really thought about how frequently they would come up. It would have made us analyze some of the archetypes differently, right? Like the the entire sacrifice artifact vector would look way different if we knew that there were like artifact cantrip fodder to sacrifice. Strong Strongbowl, which we thought was, you know, good in the uh, in the breakdown, we would have realized, oh, yeah, this is great because it it has all these things to sack. Uh, I also went with Wyrm Engine as my number one, but uh, number two, not far behind Surge Engine, Um, I guess this is the set of the engines. Surge Engine was the the, the blue 3-2. Uh, well, colorless three, two that turned into a blue five, four unblockable draw cards. Uh, not necessarily the most flashy, but I think in raw power, this was one of the hardest cards to beat in the format. Really, yeah. Uh, I, don't I know think if it I agree was like the, 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 I think it may have been the scariest thing to see on turn two. Really, yeah. I, I think I have even never more feared so, this card on two,
0: really. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much always have like an ob- obliterating bolt or like a disfigure or like, I don't know, some, some like X2s aren't hard to deal with in this format.
1: All right. You just so you draft removal. I feel like the window to kill it is so small though, before, like it, it feels kind of That's like true. a, um, it, it reminds me of a hex drinker. Uh, those that have been playing vintage cube know that hex drinker, uh, is actually just really good. Uh, it's the, uh, the, the one green for a two, one snake and you can pay to level it up and it quickly becomes a, a four, four pro instance. And then it becomes a six, six pro everything. So you just can't touch it. Little baby progenitus. Um, This reminds me of that card because sometimes you'll just dump a ton of mana into your hex drinker and then your opponent goes, Oh, I just, I just can't win anymore. Um, I I, I guess I'm assessing power in kind of a funny way. There's other obviously really powerful cards. Like I I think uh, for example, I think the misery shadow is powerful in a very similar way, but if I had the choice between the two of them, I'd take surge engine over, over the shadow.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I'm I'm not dissing the strength of work, of Surge Engine here. I was just surprised to see it in up in your like top two. I don't know. I, I haven't think really run into. I I see the potential yeah. for it. Like like you're saying, once you if you can get past turn two, I actually think it's better to play not two because yeah, if true. you can just immediately pump or pump it in response to some removal or something, like then you're really golden. But
1: I mean, if we want to talk about other just banger. Like power cards, we probably have to mention Titania's Command too, right? There's people. People yeah, all the are probably are yeah. Amazing. Everyone that was like yelling at me like through their headphones, like what's he talking about? Surge Engine, not Titania's Command. Obviously, Titania's Command is is basically unbeatable, just in a different way than Surge Engine. I, I just I just really enjoyed the power of Surge Engine. I guess I don't know. This is like not my kind of card at all. It's a it's a three two defender. I'm reveling in it
0: because it's a blue
1: card. <laughs> Look, I, I I enjoyed it in this archetype a lot, or in the, in this format a lot. That's all.
0: all. All right, on to our most annoying cards.
1: Yeah, uh, so I went with Goblin Blast Runner. I think this thing is the definition of annoying. Good. I love playing with it, but this thing is annoying. Like, you see it on turn one, and then you go, oh my god, like, they're going to have a bunch of sack stuff. It's annoying in that you can't really interact with its vector, because what are you going to do? Spend, like, a removal spell killing one of their like artifacts that they're uh, that they're going to sack to it. Like, I don't know, th- do you point the removal spell at their elsewhere flask so they sack it at an inopportune time and, and they don't get to attack with a 3-2 menace? It's just really annoying to play against. Uh, very fun to play with, though.
0: Yeah. For me, it was just misery shadow. I mean, the name's in the card, like, come on, this thing is just so annoying. You see this come down and you're just like, okay, I have to figure out a way to win around that. Cause it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Like, it's blocking yeah. everything. And even if I can find some damage based removal, it's not going to be enough because they're just going to pump it to oblivion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Misery shadow is awesome. So our next chaffy is for best jank. Now this, this has evolved over time, but what do you think?
0: You know, I had a hard time coming up with any individual cards for this format with best jank. Like none of them really stood out to me as like, wow, that's super janky. I can't believe that works. Um, a lot of the schematics felt like they powered shenanigansy type janky type of uh, interactions, but I couldn't really come up with anything specifically off, you know, uh, that, that I really felt um, fit this. So mm-hmm. I'm just giving it to the schematics as a category.
1: I have a few things here. Uh, jank, I'm kind of referring to is like very, very like narrow corner case, but good when they work. Uh, Drafna, Sage of Latnam, I think it's called that the two mana blue human that like lets with you all return the text in the world. And like yeah. copy spells. <laughs> yeah, you can like return artifact creatures to your hand and like copy artifact or creatures. I think it's artifacts or copy creature artifacts or one of those things. I don't know. That was some pretty hot jank when you could pair it with an artifact with a good ETB ability. For example, the Scrapworks or uh, I'm pairing it with with uh, Boulder Branch Golem was I mean, that was very unpleasant to play against. <laughs> that was some really hot jank. I mean, that's that, that certainly deserves a Chaffee. But uh, I would also go with recommission. I think the combo of uh, turn two cycle something away with Scrapwork, but turn three recommission, leaving up like a, um, a military discipline or, or the, uh, the one mana white, either the one mana white, like good combat tricks. Uh, that was that was a really fun play. Um, and then, yeah, similarly to what you said, some of the schematics, like all the one mana and two mana cantrip artifacts, most of the one mana ones and zero with Bobble are best. Um, all of those ones, I think were just, they played really well in the format, uh, and they gave some, an interesting texture and dimension to like the black red sack deck where you were sacking these, these artifacts, using them as cantrips. Um, I, I, again, I just thought it was a really enjoyable playstyle.
0: Yeah, that's fair. All right. Our next one here is for chaffiest chaff.
1: <laughs> I love this. The, the the most draft chaffy card in the set, the card that's, well, this one, it could either be like the card most likely to get left behind on the table or the card that is both most likely to get left behind on the table and just really embodies the draft chaff spirit. what do you got?
0: This is hands down mutt. Come on. It's a mutt. <laughs> yeah. It's so good and limited and nobody wants it in constructed for pretty much anything. Like, yes, Mutt all over. I also put Stone Seeker as a runner-up for this one because hmm. Stone Seeker was a really good limited card, and I could see it having some applications in um, in constructed formats at some point, but I feel like that's a card that's going to get left around, and I thought it was really good. It Looking at numbers is like, okay, probably not the best card in the format, but for some reason, Stone Seeker stood out to me on this one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I also went with Scrapwork Mutt as my top pick. I mean, it really earned the the Draft Chat Furo Award. Um I also put everything over six mana, <laughs> like it, That's fair, uh, especially the the big rares, Hercules, whatever. <laughs> it's like eight mana and it like bounces everything. Uh, honestly, even one with the multiverse, I've seen people cast it. I cast it a few times, but it's eight mana. You just can't do that in this format like it. Unfortunately, the format kind of promised you could. So that stuff, that's true chaff. I mean, it's not going to see constructed play outside of Saffron Olive, of course. He'll find a way to break it. Next up, we've got the most unexpected chaff. Uh, What were we caught off guard by by things we thought were going to be good and were actually chaff?
0: Well, I'll throw in, again, the schematics because we were caught off guard because we didn't realize they were in the set in the first place, and a lot of them were traps. Uh, We were talking about how some of them were actually quite good and would have made us reevaluate the set. A lot of the rocks, just the random mana rocks, were pretty much just traps. Um, And that kind of lends to what you were talking about a minute ago, Ben, where you were saying everything over six mana was pretty chaffy because the ramp thing just wasn't there. Like you could try to make it work and I'm sure there were some good versions of the deck, but in general, this wasn't a format to support that. And we're seeing that more and more. This is kind of something I want to have an episode on at some point where we're seeing like a lot of these sets that we've expected, like, ooh, this looks like it has a cool ramp payoff. just turns out to be an aggro format.
1: Yeah, even thinking about some of the... Like, not super expensive. Obviously, the six mana plus uh, all that stuff, you know, (laughs) not going to work. But there were some weird hints in the set. It almost seemed like there could be a, like, land go, like, many color control deck with, like, ivory tower and the fog and that, like, white, like, card draw life gain spell. Like, what was going on with that stuff?
0: Yeah, fog in itself was one that was, like, really weird because, you know, uh it doesn't like it works against the aggro decks but if you're trying to hint that you're going there is a way to go big in this format then fog is useless. So
1: yeah, yeah i, I uh, some of the other things like inspiring statuary, uh just some some random cards like this and then they just don't really have a vector that they work in and then especially the the, the big mana type ones, helm of the host, that that was chat from this set. I hate to say it. I mean, yeah. you you could play it and maybe in like a really low curve aggro deck where you Like would be happy investing turns four and five into it anyway. If you go like one drop, two drop, three drop helm, that's good. Uh, But then like portal to Phyrexia, even like a main set card, nine mana. I I died with that card in hand. You just couldn't play it Uh, unless you were doing some wacky nonsense, like trying to get it in with, I don't know. It just wasn't really worth building around. Uh, But again, Mind's Eye, uh, one with the multiverse, these just big mana draw a million cards things. Even once you like invested nine mana and started drawing a million cards, if your aggro opponent had curved out and built up like a decent board, you would just, <laughs> Yeah, yeah just you dead. get to draw a bunch of cards, but you die. Cause then even when you're drawing a bunch of cards, you're playing like a big mana deck. Are you investing all that mana and all that card draw into like, I mean, what are you doing? Are you playing like one eight drop and then they just bounce right. it? <laughs>
0: like Yeah. They bounce it and swing with six creatures that are hitting you for 18 damage or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. just, I don't know. I, I guess we have to count all this as unexpected because the set hinted that this would be good. I don't know. We'll talk more about that. Yeah, I mean, this, this was supposed
0: to be the set of the big machines and everything, and it just didn't work. Yeah. And I think some of those cards you mentioned, one one with multiverse in particular is, you know, you can't even use the set's mechanic to fuel casting those cards, the power stones, mm-hmm. right? At least Portal Phyrexia, you could kind of power out with power stones if you were able to build a deck that was designed to do that. But stuff like one with the multiverse, you just can't do that. Yeah. it's like, what are just you doing really here? <laughs> bizarre
1: inclusion. Yeah. Why not just make it
0: an artifact, <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. On to our top drafted comments powered by 17 lands. And, um, it's not actually sponsored by 17 lands, but it felt fun to say that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they did power us. So, yeah, I mean, Ben, yours are far more interesting than mine are. Mine are really <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, I am super proud of
1: mine. I, I think honestly, I, I did as well here. And, um, I can lead by saying, uh, I had a, a game record and match record, uh, win rate of 59.3%, which is towards the higher end for me. I usually, I do fall with some around like 57 overall on average. So this was a good set for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, looks like you also did about 64 events, which is pretty crazy of those 13 trophies. That's, that's pretty good. That's
1: yeah. Yeah. Not, not too bad a trophy rate. Uh, I don't know if that includes the, well, the arena open, which I did happen to win, but I, I guess it might. I don't know. Um, anyway, my top drafted common with a whopping 47 copies was Scrapwork Mutt. I, yeah, I love this little guy so much. I can't pass him. Uh, with 44 copies, we have Goblin Blast Runner right up next. After that bitter reunion with 41, Conscripted Infantry, which eh, it's not as good as these, but it's like a good, good uh, role player. It's a curve filler in the red decks, especially the sack based ones. 40 copies and uh, finally with 39 rounding up my top five scrapboard cohort. I was drafting the set, right?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. You definitely caught on. Uh, unfortunately, I stopped drafting the set before I caught on. So my numbers <laughs> reflect that um, I played a total of six events of bro. So only six drafts SMH. and um, I had a game record of set 52.9% match record of 51.5. So virtually we're going halvesies here mm. and my top, r- top drafted common, which I probably would have told you would have been the case in the format breakdown. Yeah. Like before any analysis of the set beyond that, my top drafted common was Wing Commando. I wanted this card to be good so badly. I never really got it to work. Yeah. Blue just wasn't really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem with Wing Commando in particular is that every time you played one, it died. Like it was a, it was a lightning rod for removal because if That's you did true. let it stick around, it was going to win the game. So yeah. um, it didn't really have time to do anything. After that, though, this is where it gets really embarrassing. My next top drafted common is Mishra's Onslaught.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I feel like that's by accident too. You probably just
0: picked up all the last dredges. It is, yeah, and and yeah, and I was also in like red blue decks a lot because I was trying to make like Wing Commando and other things work. So um, honestly,
1: I mean, a, a while back I mentioned this way back in the format breakdown. There was that red common. It was like a four mana instant, and it made two one ones with prowess. And yeah. I mentioned that like. If if Mishra's onslaught behaves like that in this format, you could have that as a key component of like the blue red prowess deck. But I just I did I didn't really like the blue red prowess deck. I felt like pairing yeah, red with something like good. blue was just hindering yourself uh, to play a slower game plan than red one and two. Plus, red's vector was deep into sack. Like some of its best commons were sack based, uh, the strong bull and, and and the blast runner. Right. I mean, if you don't have yeah. a sack vector. I don't know. It just didn't really play out the way I hoped.
0: Yeah. And honestly, in, in practice, the only red blue decks I saw that I was like, Oh, this is really good. Were the ones that had two or three or more iconoclasts. Yeah. And if you're relying that heavily on the signpost uncommon, then like the rest of the decks, probably not actually that great.
1: Yeah. Iconoclast is obviously great. I think it's seeing like older play too. It's that like, at least standard play. It's, it's kind of like a strictly better young pyro.
0: Yeah, I guess that's so, strictly. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's not That's the only red. thing yeah, I'm yeah. thinking
0: of, but, um, but yeah, I, I also was on this kick for a while. I saw one player. This was just a, a stupid, like, I need to do this before the, the, the format's gone. And I didn't draft very much of the format. So, um, I was on this Falaji chain chain dancer kick for a while where like I oh, wanted yeah. to make, I just wanted, all I wanted to do in this format was jump Falaji chain dancers into the air and then <laughs> double strike in the <laughs> air for the win. All right. Um, that, that's pretty cool. I saw somebody do that in like a a, a best of three match with um, chain dancer and then the artifact the wings you know that you can just attach it they just oh yeah yeah but like fl- just jump the uh the chain dancer in the air smack me with double strike and maybe throw a whirling strike in there for good measure and then I'm just that is funny it's like yeah I was like man I need to make this happen
1: unfortunately the chain dancer had the misfortune of uh, costing four mana <laughs> right yeah, yeah
0: it was <laughs> it was too expensive
1: yeah. So let's check out our worst bad card to lose to Chaffee Award. Uh, what are you giving it to? Our,
0: our guy Avenger. Oh, this is, is that, that like stupid the scissor mana? hands guy It's me yeah. from, from <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. He's yeah. a scissor hands guy where you can like pay mana to minus one, minus one and give it a keyword. Oh,
1: yeah, that's totally a, a bad card to lose to.
0: I've lost to it more times than I care to, imagine, to admit.
1: yeah yeah no that 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 counts that's a great one
0: like to the point where i was like wait is this actually a good card
1: (laughs) (laughs) no no don't worry it costs like five six right it's not good something like that uh, (laughs) six mana uh dies to disenchant no it's (laughs) but it could it it can be scary yeah
0: yeah with a runner-up for third path savant because i had a couple of games where i I mean, I guess I kind of beat myself, but I had like very little going on. They played his third passive on and then they just drowned me in card draw, even though it, that ability cost seven mana. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like <laughs> they're dumping so seven mana a turn into this stupid common and they're outdrawing me and outplaying me and out winning. And I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, that,
1: it's it, that, that's like a, a very Zach brand of feel bad. It's like, Oh man, my <laughs> opponent's like, no, I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> So my number one worst bad card to lose to was uh, Misha's Onslaught. I, I just never played around it. And I think it only happened once where, I mean, this is like an aggressive format, right? This is the kind of format where uh, you shouldn't be afraid to take damage because you could have a hasty creature top deck or top deck a combat trick or removal spell that allows you to break through for the win, right? Uh, so I, I, I tend to do pretty well in these types of formats. And one of my general heuristics is that I just block less hyper aggressive formats where the creatures are designed to punch through uh think of the Cindermaw, right? uh and the combat tricks are great in this case they are and blocking usually doesn't work out super well so i tend to just kind of take damage uh i think it was like just one time when i was like okay i've got him down on the crackback. i'm not gonna block um you know i, I don't want to risk losing one of my things they had mishra's onslaught and i was like oh <laughs> well, th- this game ends because I forgot there was a red pump spell. That, that's like a go wide pump spell, right? Like, and they had to have exactly this too. They had a bunch of creatures. They couldn't have just had like one pump spell. So I was like, all right,
0: good game, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get got, it happens.
1: My runner up is Tokazia's Onulet. This was the uh, I think five mana four, four when it leaves, they uh, they gain two life. And then it has unearthed for three and a white. Just, just a big clunker, you know, but sometimes they would drop this. And you'd be playing an aggressive deck, and you'd only have like a, like a big damage-based removal spell, and you'd go, oh, they're going to gain some life from this, and they get to flash it back, and then it's a tax for four, and then it changes the math, and it's just... You would lose to it. It was like a mid-range card, one of the few mid-range cards in this format that could just slightly edge its way out over some of the aggressive cards in this format. It's kind of like a Thragtusk, actually.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to our Chaffee for pet card. I don't think anybody has any question marks about what this is for you. It's obviously Lauren.
1: I mean, yeah, <laughs> my pet card is usually, card <laughs> it's usually the the white symmetrical card draw spell, but this one was just so much better than the average one. I mean, even if you never tapped Lauren to draw a card, first of all, it makes you a coward. Second of all, you probably still had a good experience playing Lauren because it's, it's a wreck sage in a format where white is the best color and there's giant artifacts everywhere. Like what 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 is there not to love here? Um and I will mention that we had a few people post in Discord in the past week saying that they utilized Lauren's draw ability to great effect. And the fact you get to do it on their end steps, you untap with it first. Uh you use that card to kill them and then it doesn't matter that they drew the card because they're dead. It's, it's a great play style. Love, Lauren. 10 out of 10.
0: Yeah, I had to default to Wing Commando just because I drafted too many of them and I wanted it to be good, and it wasn't, and I still have a special place in my heart for Wing Commando.
1: So what was our most disappointing archetype, Chaffee Award?
0: I think we agree it's, it's ramp. Like any of the big spells stuff, anything that, like you said, anything over six mana, just like these big, I don't know. I mean, like the prototype creatures kind of are the exception because a lot of the prototype creatures yeah. were pretty playable at, at their prototype cost, as opposed to spending, you know, eight mana on them. Um, the war plow in particular was one, that, or the gore plow, or whatever it was called. Uh yeah. one in particular that was was pretty solid. Um, it was almost yeah, surprising
1: to see some of them cost for their like that their full amount, right? Like sometimes you'd see the right. uh, the the uh, the morph one, the uh, the clone. It'd be surprising to see that come down as like a seven or eight drop, whatever it is, it usually comes down on four. Like, I, I remember that it comes down on four. I don't remember if it comes down on seven or eight. That's, you know, the, the associated playstyle I have with it. I guess some of the cheaper ones, like the, the, the Plow and the Boulder Branch uh, Golem, those you're, you're more likely to see come down for the, their uh, larger costs. Black-Green could kind of get there, but I don't know. Yeah, I think Blue-Red was also just a little underwhelming. I would have liked to see a slightly stronger prowess non-creature theme i think that uh that vector relied a little heavily on its uh its signpost there but otherwise you know i mean there was a good mix of 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 like vectors in the set right like mostly the aggressive ones were good but at least there were different flavors of aggressive right like they, they had some interesting graveyard things going on some that had interesting interesting sacrifice things going on uh, sometimes you were playing like the soldiers one. really the, just a bunch of different flavors of like aggressive vector.
0: Yeah. Next up our Chaffee for creature you most want as a pet.
1: Yeah. This is a funny one. Uh, this isn't really a creature card, but the bears in fade from history, the, uh, two green, green kill artifacts and enchantments. Everyone that had one gets a, a bear. Those are some cute bears. They Have you heard adorable. the, uh. Have you heard the saying that like pe- people will say on Twitter, like, oh, my toxic trait is that I think I could go and pet a grizzly bear and it wouldn't kill me.
0: I haven't seen that, but I believe it. I, 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 believe I subscribe to this. Say.
1: I totally believe I could go up to a grizzly bear and make friends with it. Those things are too cute not to <laughs> be able to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's fair. I mean, you could probably you could probably do that with like a baby grizzly bear. I'm sure that would be fine. Yeah. Until the mother just, sees you trying to play with its child and then you just get yeah. wrecked. <laughs> Uh, I would also go with, um, cityscape leveler.
1: It's the size of a city who you could ride on that. Like who does it? Does that count as a pet? I don't know. A lot of these things are robots. So we start to get (laughs) pretty pretty ethical gray areas.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Don't say that too loud. Your computer will get mad. Uh Um, (laughs) yeah, for me, it was coilless rock. Uh, again, probably not surprising for not at all.
1: (laughs) I noticed one of the times I was looking at, I think that thing has armor. It's pretty it sweet.
0: does, Yeah. It's, uh, well, I think, you know, something that I think a lot of people that don't like pay attention to myth- mythos, um, is, is that rocks are like huge. They're supposed to be really big birds. So hmm. rideable most likely, you know, they're like Griffin yeah. size, they're, like really big.
1: Hmm. So let's talk about some of our cards never cast. I, I had a few surprising ones, but, uh, Honestly, I had a ton of the schematics, uh, like inspiring statuary comes to mind, giving your artifact stuff improvised, like, like what's, what's going on? Like in a set full of power stones, it just doesn't make any sense.
0: Uh, right. Yeah. It's not like you're generating a ton of what, like artifact creatures. Sure. Like you have stuff like the cohort generating a few every now and then, but like you don't have an army of one ones that you can tap yeah. to pump out your worm coil engine. And
1: I think we knew from the start that a lot of the schematics were just like, you just shouldn't take them or play them at all. And then we learned over time that, oh, actually, almost all of the schematics are traps. <laughs> so uh, a good number of those. I never cast Urza Silex, the uh, the artifact uh, Day of Judgment that destroys all the creatures um, and then does some land stuff, too, and a Planeswalker thing, whatever. Uh, Arcane Proxy, the, the blue Snapcaster prototype. Never got to cast it. Uh, same with Painful Quandary, the uh, black five-mana enchantment that does some wacky stuff. Uh, I'm not... You know, I'm not missing out on that one. Titania, Sahili, some random mythics, Brotherhood's End, the the, the red board wipe. Uh, and sad to say, I didn't get to meld. Never got a meld off. Never even had two cards in the same deck. Not surprising, statistically. But, you know, I was hoping it would happen at least once. I've seen screenshots. I know it happens, but uh just couldn't have happened to me.
0: Yeah, same here. Uh, I didn't draft a lot of cards, as you saw. I'd, I only, or heard, rather. I only drafted six events, so I didn't really get... Um A ton of reps in uh but i didn't draft any of the walkers i didn't draft a worm coil and i didn't draft a blade coil serpent i was really excited to give that card a go because it looked really fun Mm. but never got to it so here's a new one this is something we're adding and i think we're going to tweak here and there as we get through the next couple of sets a new chaffee it's not really a chaffee it's more um this is a level
1: above chaffee
0: i think this is an even greater honor yeah uh draft chaff cube inclusions So we're trying to pay more attention every set to cards that should be brought into the cube. I'd actually also like at some point to probably move this to like a separate segment and have also a comment on the cards we're taking out for these cards. But what do you get? What do you got? What's going into the cube? Did anything make it into the cube?
1: A few things made it in the cube. Uh, Those that know the cube know that we have an enters the battlefield effect sub theme, a flicker. Uh, Mostly centered in like white, but it it does actually spread throughout a bunch of different colors. Uh, Tyrant of Care Ridges. Is just such a busted flicker card. I mean, it's a, it's a flame tongue kavu attached to a giant shivan dragon. Like th- th- that's obviously really good. Uh, speaking of flicker, you can always use a nice rex sage effect in your cube, right? I think Lauren might sneak her way in. We have to no double check now. These are cards that I think we were saying we want to put in the cube. But we can't just go putting in and taking out willy nilly. There's a ton of math and and, uh, planning that goes into strategizing the cube uh, cards. For example, the curves of all the colors are heavily calculated. And to take out a three drop, uh, to put this in, that could mess up an archetype. We have to be careful what we take out. We have to make sure that this is like upgrading over a card of, I guess, similar function. So these are cards that I'd like to work into the cube, but we have to double check that it actually works as far as the, the cube wants it to work.
0: Yeah. And then of course there's always the, the chaff math where we have to make sure that it is actually still considered chaff or whatever. Um, Yeah. Yeah. One thing that kind of one card in this set that kind of fits the bill of what I just explained as well as what Ben just explained is Gaia's gift. It's, Probably Mm. the best version of the card that's been printed. We have an effect like this in the cube. Likely just going to be a a one-for-one swap there.
1: Yep. And to be honest, if there was ever a card that came along that we wanted to make sure makes its way in, even if it, like for whatever reason, maybe they print a card called like Draft Chaff Magnet or something. I don't even know like what they would do, but they print the card that's so absurdly Draft Chaff and it doesn't fit anywhere in the cube. Uh, We have a handful of like flex spots uh, called the Chaff Masters Picks that we kind of can customize our own cube with, uh, should we want to. And th- those are just like flex spots that we reserve to to like slip in cards here and there. I think it's only like five per each of us uh, to, to like flesh out some archetypes or, or give something a boost. Um, just a little a, a little extra flexibility for us. So if there was something that came along that absolutely didn't work out anywhere, we could always just insert it as one of the chaff master picks. After all, we, we are chaff masters. So next up we have our would you rather chaffy it's not really even a chat. This is a fun question. So Zach wrote this one: uh, Would you rather fade from history or be caressed by kicks?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and my answer was: Who needs to be remembered? Uh, I'm gone. History can forget me. I don't want kicks hmm. anywhere near my brain. So, hmm, to become Phyrexian
1: b- 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 is this not? This isn't just becoming Phyrexian. He's also he's getting a little handsy. Is that what you're saying? He's Got to get. I mean,
0: yeah, he's getting handsy. Of course. <laughs> I don't you know. getting handsy.
1: This, this gix guy, I don't, this guy's got some bad ideas. I don't know. About him. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to get faded here. I think uh, as, as neat as it could be to get completed. Uh, I, I don't know. Once well, you completed, you, 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 you lose your soul forever, basically, as far as we know in the canon, then, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you pretty much are part of a hive mind. I mean, it's not actually a hive mind. It's not, but more or less, you are functionally part of this, like, hive, I guess. It's like,
1: super uh, collective, or, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, so you, you, you really lose any sense of self. You're not you are not you anymore. Whereas, like, you can fade from history, and I don't know, the way that sounds to me, like, if everybody just forgot who I was when I was dead, I don't really care. It doesn't mean I'm gone now. I'm just like, nobody's going to remember me.
1: You know what I just realized? I think you reinvented the question, die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i appreciate the dark knight reference uh
1: f- would you rather fade from history or live long enough to see yourself get completed I, th- then again some of the people that get completed i mean they don't seem to hate it Johnny seems pretty pumped that he's a
0: giant robot now <laughs> see i don't think it's a Johnny though i i think it's just now this new completed Johnny is is not really the ajani we knew because he's been completed it's not him yeah, It's like saying, guess, like, if you suck somebody's soul out of their body, that body is left being happy. Like, that's not the original person. I don't know if that analogy really
1: us <laughs> <helps this> here. <laughs> <laughs> Analogies are supposed to make the, the scenario more familiar. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you know, you're people's not, souls get sucked you're not,
0: out. <laughs> you're not familiar with that?
1: Anyway, oh, I think we have to wait for some uh some of the new story articles to come out, which I know we are dropping I think later this month. So, excited to see what happens with our completed friends. All right, Ben, last thoughts on the format. What do you what do you think? It was fun. I I think magic lends itself to hyperbole, and I think it can be sometimes challenging to not just say, "Oh, this was the best thing ever," or "Oh, this was the worst thing ever." So, I'm going to put my uh put my foot down and say, "This was good." You know, it wasn't awesome, it wasn't awful this was like a six or seven out of 10, you know, it's okay. Uh, that's possible. That can be, I think sometimes hyperbole is warranted. I I think, uh, Domino United was 10 out of 10, nine or 10 out of 10. It was fantastic. Uh, but this was just not that just different. The time, uh, the time to move on is now, right? Like we kind of got our fill. Power stones were implemented. Well, uh, there was some good gameplay. It was interesting as an aggressive player. I really enjoyed it. And and I thought there were a lot of cool decisions, but it's just too bad that the big, fancy, uh, like, Neon Genesis Evangelion, like, thing d- didn't work out. It, like, there could have been some cool big mana artifact ramp strategies, and they could have utilized the uh, the schematic cards. I mean, why spend all this time hyping up this ancient Brothers War conflict and all these cool ancient, like, alt arts if you just can't, like, play them and win them while playing them? It kind of defeats the purpose. It's like, yeah, you can do all this stuff. You're going to lose, though.
0: <laughs> yeah that's like uh that's like when you get those those stupid uh how did you enjoy the game questions as soon as you lose
1: <laughs> no oh, I, didn't. I love those every once in a while when I, i'll put that i didn't enjoy a game after i won just to like mess with the algorithm because <laughs> i feel like most people if they win the game they enjoyed right. it but i think you should think about it if you like if your opponent got like stuck on two lands and then you just dominate them I don't think you should say you enjoyed the game. I mean, was that? Yeah, no. Uh, if you really enjoy that, then sure. Go put whatever you want. That's data for wizards to use. But I would prefer to have a little more...
0: No, you answered honestly, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. I we we did a, a Mental Magic question. episode on that, actually. So yeah, that's right. That that's out right. in our backlog if you haven't heard that one. What's your take? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Um, I I will say, I think this is the for, the format in recent memory that has taken the biggest swing for me. I started out yeah. not really liking it, and then I started to like it more throughout, even even though I didn't play as much of it, but like watching decks come through and people talking about the format, I started to enjoy it more and understand it a little bit differently as time progressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think I was going to like it pretty much at all from like the first week. So that was pretty cool. I like seeing that it took that turn instead of the opposite turn where like, I thought it was going to be really cool and it wasn't. Um, yeah. so overall the format grew on me. It was pretty enjoyable. I'm right there with you. It's probably like a five or six out of 10 for me, nothing too crazy, not overly excited to come back to it, but I'm not disappointed to you know and i'm not disappointed to leave it but it's it was fun while it was here
1: yeah i got my two thousand dollars out of it no all right dude <laughs> I th- I, this uh, is my last reference for it last reference I Brothers this is you. out no i mean I, i'm sure i'll never find a way to work it in a conversation again we're, we're done with brothers War. what how could i possibly tie it back sure yep <laughs> Watch,
0: uh, the next one too and it's <laughs> never
1: gonna end so uh what are we looking forward to
0: in phyrexia All will be one. To be honest with you, I have no idea. I'm like not, I don't, I don't know. I I guess I want to see like Jason, some other Gatewatch folks get completed. I'm just kind of yeah. interesting, interested to see who actually gets completed and whether or not they keep them completed. I'm really worried they're going to pull some stupid Ex Machina nonsense where s- somehow, uh, you know, Elspeth's going to ride in on a glowing horse and everybody's going to suddenly remember <laughs> who they are. And I'm just like, I, if, if I just want whoever gets completed to be completed and for them to be gone and just make some you real know, You know what really
1: sucks? Like drinking Halo like, cures completion or something. Oh my some nonsense gosh, like they're that. totally
0: going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. They're going to like infuse the new world for you with halo somehow. And then everybody who touches it is going to magically get, Oh gosh. Yeah. Why did I, you say that? That's absolutely what they're going to do.
1: Okay. I'm hoping not because honestly, I don't really know where they're going with this either. And I find that pretty exciting. I like some of the, Dark directions they're going i mean there's been some pretty grisly stuff in the magic story recently that they, they don't spare details when talking about people getting completed and some of these character deaths and we've seen some pretty mature moments for uh for characters like elspeth and i mean jaya of course um and even joda i've actually liked a lot as a character the way they've been using him and uh plus just seeing our favorites from the gatewatch kind of uh at risk here of being completed it's uh, it, it, it's suspenseful, right? Like we don't know if our favorite's going to make it through or not. So uh, I find that pretty enjoyable. Uh, I, one thing I am a little suspicious about: does uh, does Elsinoren really need six different like card printings? <laughs> I get it's the head. She like she yeah. is the headliner of the set. She's the most important card in the set. Um, it's her set, but six different versions? Is that? I don't know. I don't know if don't they're know all if just different all arts,
0: right? They're not. Yeah. Like, different. Uh, they didn't like literally. The Junji
1: Ito one different. is necessary. That one's sick. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, but I don't like,
0: care. There's just extra skins. I don't, I don't really care.
1: Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Uh, should be a fun set. And we'll figure out where we're pre-releasing. Uh, maybe Bearded. Or is it our turn to do Bearded or New York? I forget. I think this would be New York, but we can figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone that wants to hit us up in New York, uh, maybe we can get some, some us to come with us.
0: All right. Well, that's it for Brothers War. A couple of other topics we wanted to talk on right now. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but the decathlon's going full swing. So uh, folks have been dropping stuff in the discord about that. Uh, ben, you're, you're in the middle of it as well. How's it going?
1: It's gone pretty well so far. I got the first two pretty easily. Uh, the, the sealed one, I struggled a little bit with I think it took three attempts for me to get it. Uh, honestly, it's, it's a wacky set. It was two packs of uh, original Dominaria, two packs of, dmu and two packs of brothers were and those sets are all individually pretty good but they do not play well together so i ended up just eventually getting a a nice red white aggro pile with just a bunch of two drops like very little power and it was just good enough Uh, so uh, i'm trying to get my standard one right now i'm gonna go for the clean 10 out of 10 i don't think you need it i think uh, it's like three tokens to enter so i think you really to get the maximum, you just need nine of them. I don't know, I forget the math behind all this, but I did take down the whole thing last time, got myself a full, uh, well, a, a full single copy of, of whatever the set was. Might have been Streets of New Capetta, which really ends up just translating to a, a big gem payout if you are like a common uh, constant drafter like I am, because the faster you complete the set, the faster all of your rares get turned into gems instead when you open them. So it, it's a fun payoff, but really the clout of winning the decathlon is what it's really about. So uh, I'll continue to post my my trophy lists in there. Uh, any lists that I use for other things, like the pauper list I, I posted, um, anything else that, that uh, people use. We had a lot of good discussion in there about how people have been winning events, so we'll keep it up. Uh, also, there's just some funny events, like the standard one that I'm trying to get. It's like a holiday gift bag emblem that you get, too, where at the beginning of your upkeep, you either make a treasure... Uh, make a food or make a clue and you get to do each one once so after the first three turns like that's it it's just like a little extra wackiness on top of the usual standard stuff i don't know i might just net deck a stand like top standard deck i've been playing soldiers which i kind of like brewed up but i mean that deck probably is just on meta maybe i don't even have the optimal build i'll just net deck the top best deck in standard and just uh, just play it from there it's probably like like black white or black red midrange or some garbage like
0: that best of one or best of three uh best of one yeah. So I have a 63% win rate over about a dozen games with mono red burn in standard Ooh. right now. And I am ah chef's kiss. I love it. It's so good. Whoa, it's actually like a that? complex, it's like a, like a complex version of burn. Like there are tons of decisions to make. It's really great.
1: Wow. No, yeah, I might have to try that. And, and giving burn a treasure token like in on, on turn mm. one, that's probably pretty that's good. Spicy.
0: Although yeah. giving your opponents a food token is not great for burn, but Oh, well you get one too. <laughs> yeah, but you don't care. <laughs> All right, that does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, check out the Discord if you're not already in there. It's the best place to be to chat with us. We also tend to do giveaways out of there, so check that out. The link to that's in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. If you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. And if you'd like to find us outside of the Discord, you can find us on Twitter at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks. And we'll talk to you next week.
1: Farewell, bro. <laughs> that's so stupid. Let's just start with the side off. Um, uh, we're going to, we, we got to watch a uh, new bad, bad stuff. That's going to be good. But something else I watched recently, uh, very impressed with this place rules. It's a, a documentary. It's on HBO. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. So it's made by this, uh, this YouTuber. He He's his name is Andrew. Uh, he once ran a channel called all gas, no breaks, uh, where he would interview people all around the country. He kind of hitchhiked around the country for a while. And this guy, he's our age. He's like 25. He's got just the most unique talent for, He's just this kind of like plain, unassuming guy with like a goofy face. And he just he he somehow manages to elicit the most incredible and uh, sometimes out of pocket responses during interviews. So he can walk into a a gun convention or he could walk downtown in, in New Orleans or he could walk into like the Democratic convention and he can just find the wackiest person there. And get them to just bare their heart to him, and he he basically made this interview, uh, this interview series documentary, leading up to the infamous January sixth riots here in the U.S. Uh, and he he goes deep on structural inequality and uh, interviews people from honestly every aspect of the social spectrum, right? He, he interviews people living in uh, housing developments uh, like projects, and he interviews people a mile away who are checking for QAnon posts every day, uh, living in like upper middle class. And, um, it, it's such a fascinating look at America and, uh, there, there's, it touches upon information literacy and media literacy, uh, plus just like the overall approach to, to politics. It's framed in some pretty funny ways. Um, but if, if you want to see just the wildest people in America, uh, and, and what they're and what they've been doing uh, is with when the election was happening. Uh, check it out.